we're going to look at some really strange and mysterious disappearances. Richard Hasbill was described by his friends and family as a quiet and shy man who, because of his mental disability, liked to take off on his own for long bike rides and hikes. It was said to have been his way of coping with his illness. Although he suffered with this illness, his brother and other members of his family said that he was always good at reporting back to them and he had always been able to look after himself and he'd never come to any harm. His brother did add, however, that he had not gone quite so far into the wilderness on his own before. It was July the 10th in 2005 when he arrived at Denali National Park in Alaska. When he registered and applied for his camping permit, he said he would be returning by the 18th. He took the shuttle bus provided at the park to Wonder Lake. He never returned. A search began for him, including both ground and air search efforts, in a landscape of rugged wilderness. Two days into the search, a pilot saw his tent near the peak at an elevation of just over 4,000 feet, five miles northeast of the lake. The pilot had been out looking for a plane that had crashed. The following day, the rangers flew to the spot where his tent had been seen. It was confirmed to have been his, along with the bear-resistant food canister. There was no sign that the camp had been disturbed by bears or any other predators. There was still food inside the bear-proof canister, some of which had been eaten, but there were a plentiful amount left. His tent also appeared not to have been tampered with or suffering from any damage. They knew this was the missing man's provisions because they had also found a journal with his handwriting in it. The last entry in the journal had been on the 17th, the day before he was due to return. Strangely, however, his pairs of shoes, three, were confirmed as gone by his brother. His brother also said he was physically fit enough as he was an avid walker who would take weights in his backpack to improve his stamina and endurance. The searchers checked all drainages and any possible routes that he could have taken from the tent. They found footprints indicating that the area had been trodden on by other hikers, but according to searchers none of those matched up with the missing man's. The area was thoroughly searched for days and yet no traces of him could be found by the seventh day. They found a disposable camera, a sock, and other footprints, but they said that these were not connected to the missing man. Never been found. Richard Lyman Griffiths was an inventor. He was also a very well-traveled man. This time, he had ventured to the wilds of Alaska with the specific intention of testing his latest invention. It was the fall of 2006, and he had invented a survival pod for camping. Problem was, he hadn't told anyone where he was going or what he was intending to do, and so he wasn't reported missing for months. When a search was started, Bensner District went out to look for him after the Mounties had worked out that he'd bought a bus ticket heading north bus ticket would have taken him to the Alaska Highway and they discovered that he had left some personal items at a lodge near White River. He had apparently told some guests there that he was heading upriver to test his survival cocoon. It was bright orange. Neither he nor the bright orange cocoon have ever been found. Alaska Dispatch News followed up on his disappearance retrospectively, speaking with former Mountie Sergeant Ben Sewell. Nothing has ever surfaced, he said although he wonders if one day at least a piece of the orange cocoon might show up somewhere. Alaska Dispatch said the disappearance never made it into the newspapers at the time, years ago, and they add that his vanishing is like all the others, who over the years have turned to ghosts, their disappearances leaving no trace of them at all behind. 
In September 2015, 36-year-old Timothy Nolan was found dead in the Yosemite National Park following an extensive search effort. His last contact with his family had been on the 1st of September, after which he planned to set off on his solo hiking trip. He didn't return from his five-day trip, and his family alerted the authorities. National Park spokesman Scott Gediman described the search for him, utilising search and rescue teams and dogs, as well as aerial searches. Posters with his details had also been distributed and displayed. Mariposa Gazette described the search as extensive, ever since he had been reported missing. The Sierra Sun-Times said it was actually park visitors who later came across his body. Strangely, his body was found later on a well-travelled trail in the High Sierra Cap Loop. This was the same area that had been previously extensively searched. Investigators, after the discovery of his body, were, quote, working to determine the cause of death, according to a park spokesman, implying that it wasn't immediately obvious how or why he had died. According to local news journal the Fresno Bee, this was the third man to be found dead in the National Park that month. 28-year-old Christopher Sylvia had set out on a lone hike over several days along the Pacific Crest Trail, California. It was February 2015. The day after he set out, he phoned his roommate to ask him to come and collect him the following day at a Buddhist temple in San Diego County. His roommate agreed that he would meet him there, but when he arrived there the next day and waited, Christopher never showed up. The newspaper reports state that his friend believed he must have continued on hiking after changing his mind about being picked up, and that perhaps his cell phone was out of range and he couldn't call his friend to let him know. However, when he failed to make it to his final destination either, and his friend still couldn't get hold of him on the phone, that's when the concern for him really set in. A search was initiated, and quite quickly some of his hiking gear was located along the trail, not far from the agreed pickup point at the temple. However, despite a continued and extensive search, there were no signs of the man himself. Some hikers also found his sleeping bag and his backpack. 13 miles off the highway, his ID was found. He was described as an experienced hiker, and the newspaper reports described his hiking trail as a well-travelled and well-populated route, one that was safe for solo hikers. It was not described as completely remote, nor a very difficult or risky hike, and although it was rugged in parts, it was not heavily forested. Despite an extensive search for him, however, no trace of him was found. The sheriff and search and rescue efforts were called off after an extended search for him had taken place over a number of days, which turned into two weeks. A spokesman for the San Diego County Sheriff's Department told reporters, It's now been two weeks since he has heard from, and we are still running any leads. His mother, Mrs. Nancy Sylvia, said her son had gone on the hike not long after breaking up with his girlfriend and wanting to clear his head, but she didn't say he was in any way suicidal, and besides which, if he had been, where was his body? He was sad, but when I spoke to him he sounded good, she said, adding, I don't understand why he just left his gear behind. A hiker, Mary Litch, who had come across an abandoned pair of shoes, which at the time she thought could have been his, said that she's a regular hiker along the trail. I consider it a safe place, she said, a very safe place. Many people hike here alone. I've come across mountain lions, but they're always shy. I'd have more concern about people than them.
The lengthy search had got progressively harder due to the change in weather, with fog and rain, but over 30 volunteers had kept hard at it. People on the Pacific Crest Trail mailing list received the following email. It is with deep regret that I inform the hiking community the search has been terminated. One recent theory is that a camp of drug smugglers might have been encountered, leading to his disappearance and demise. There are other possible theories being under consideration by L.E. The writer of this email did not however state what those other theories might have been, and the mystery still remains as to what could have happened to the missing man. In September 2015, officials from Scamania County called off their search for a man who had last been seen over a month earlier. County Sheriff spokesman David Brown said that their search for Austin Oldfield had proved fruitless. Two hunters had seen him last, and they said that he had told them he was lost. They offered to show him the way, but they say that as they were doing so, he took off running in the opposite direction. At the time, he had no shoes on. The hunters found this very bizarre. The missing man had been on a planned, lone, two-week trip, sending a text to his girlfriend on September the 17th of 2015, this being his last known communication. Coming from Kentucky, he had set out for Gifford Pinchot National Forest to go camping and hiking. Two days later, he was reported missing, after he failed to phone his relatives as he had said he would. His car was located at the campsite, and the two hunters had seen him close to Lone Butte, approximately one mile from his campsite. When searchers began to look for him, they found his campsite, but no sign of him. At this point, there were over 50 people searching for him, along with canines. Some searchers rappelled down the crevices. As the days passed, more people joined in the search, and his sister and her husband came to look for him. According to his sister, he had carefully planned the trip months in advance. She said that he had been in good spirits prior to his trip, had been visiting friends along the way before he entered the National Park, and had been looking forward to the trip for months. She feels that far from any suicidal inclinations, he had been taking the trip for a sense of renewal and fresh starts after having quit smoking and drinking some months before this and was now drinking health drinks instead. He also had a daughter, which his family say he would never have left behind, forever, and he would have stayed in contact with her throughout the trip. Despite the busy period in which he went into the National Forest, with lots of hunters and hikers and campers, no one else came forward to say they had seen him. His sister thinks that this is the strangest thing about it. In July 2013, the Riga family from Oklahoma were on vacation in Ecuador. The family decided to take a short hike from their hotel along a scenic trail. At some point along the hike, the two boys ran on ahead, but only one of them returned. The elder son, it seemed, had disappeared into thin air. The boys were close to each other on the hike, separated only momentarily when the elder vanished. The really strange thing about it is, his father told newspapers, that whatever happened to him was in the space of a few minutes. We were right behind him. You couldn't get lost. The whole of the trail is visible. If he was hurt, he would have been seen. Searchers couldn't seem to locate the boy's tracks, and indeed, they stated that they didn't detect any other tracks in the boy's vicinity either. No one heard him shout or scream. No sounds of any thrashing in the undergrowth, or of a fall. There was no blood. There was no scent. The army troops were called in, and the soldiers rappelled down the ravines. Tracker dogs went through the dense vegetation. Firefighters came, and volunteers from the village below joined in as well. 
Some have suggested, given that they could not find a body in the ravines, and that they couldn't detect his scent, that the most logical thing that could have happened was that he was suddenly lifted from the ground by something. It's as though he was disappeared somehow into invisibility. I could see I was there. I don't know why they couldn't find him. He would have been seen. I cannot come up with a scenario that makes any sense. Nothing makes sense, said his father. In July 2006, student Aju Iroga was standing alone on a country road just by Lake Superior, having stormed off sight of a tree-planting project. He'd been told to redo the trees he'd just planted, and he was angry. He'd already redone his work once, and now he was exhausted. Stuck there, in the middle of the forest, several kilometres from the company base, he'd been told that if he was quitting, he'd have to wait for the team to finish, and then he would be taken back to the base to get his belongings and leave. Well, he waited there for nearly four hours, just standing, and he was last noticed there at about quarter to four in the afternoon. At 6pm, when the team finished, he'd disappeared. Concerned, the supervisors and team looked around for him, two of them even staying there overnight in case he turned up. The police officers arrived at about 11pm, but they said it was probably too dark to do a proper search. At dawn, the search began, with helicopters and canine units to pick up the student's trail. However, the dogs could find no scent of him. The police's original theory was that he'd decided to walk through the wilderness back to the camp. They had nothing else to go on, but no footprints or scent to track either. He was never seen again. At one stage, the Ontario police suggested that because he was a fit young man, he may have run across an access road and then run the length of 60 kilometres to the Trans-Canada Highway, where he would have hitched a ride. Well, despite how fit he was, it seems a highly unlikely theory. A website later put together by the heartbroken family says that there is no evidence of foul play and no evidence that he walked off leaves an unacceptable mystery. People simply don't just vanish. The co-owner of the company he was there working for was quoted as saying he was certainly strong enough, both in will and physically, to be able to take care of himself. But where did he go? And what did he meet that was stronger than him? <laughs>